Hi, everyone, and welcome to Just a Fad Podcast. I'm Blaine, and my buddy Greg and I are just two foster and adoptive dads excited to talk with other dads about faith, family, and fatherhood. Oh, and uh, Blaine, don't forget about the dad jokes. Uh, yes, there'll definitely be plenty of dad jokes as well. This is Just a Fad. All right. Well, welcome everybody to Justify. This is part of our special series that we're going to do uh, for a couple different episodes here on faith and fatherhood. And today we have invited Jason Johnson from Christian Alliance for Orphans to join us today. And so Jason is here on the phone uh, with Greg and I. Just uh, we're going to chat for a little while uh, about just a very interesting conversation. So. Uh, before we get into the specific topic, uh, Jason, will you take just a couple minutes and tell us a little bit about what you do with Christian Alliance for Orphans and maybe a little bit about your family, just so we have some context for you? Yeah, sure. Well, first, thanks for having me. Having me. Uh, it's good to be here with you guys. And um, so the short version of our of our family, which has led into what I do professionally, uh, is in 2012, we became licensed foster parents, um, and uh, our girls, our biological daughters at the time, were six, four, and two. Uh, our church plant that I was leading was less than two years old, and uh, life was full and life was busy, and yet we felt like now is the right time. There were a lot of people in our church getting involved in foster care. It was just a big part of the culture of our church, and um, it was something my wife and I felt very much uh, called to in our city. And um, uh, you know, we wanted to be a church that impacted our city and um, a family that impacted our city and through our church. And we recognized pretty quickly that um, we can't pretend like this foster care thing doesn't exist in our city and still try to be a church that impacts the city. Um, uh, and so that was really the heartbeat of our church. Um, our first placement little girl came. She never left. She ended up um, needing to be adopted. And so we were grateful to be able to do that. And she's uh, obviously now our daughter. We've had other little girls come and go over the years. And then in the last uh, four to five years, our journey led us into working with young moms and actually bringing young moms into our home. Uh, and those moms are now very much a part of our story still and our family and their little kiddos. And and we are walking this um, forever journey with, with them now as part of our family. Um, specifically, uh, a 17-year-old was placed in our home. She had a new little baby boy. She's now 21. She's got three little kiddos. Her life is not without difficulty um, by any means, but, um, you know, we are together and we're walking this journey together now. Um, uh, I ended up actually stepping out of my role as lead pastor of our church about six years in to the life of our church simply because uh, this issue of foster care became so huge, not only in our church, but in how we were trying to help other churches in the city of Houston mm. engage in this. Um, and I had the opportunity to step out and really begin to work with other churches. Um, and I was grateful to be able to do that. Uh, and then that actually, um, about a year later, led to my role at Christian Alliance for Orphans, where I get to work with churches and networks of churches and organizations that work with churches around the country to really help them think through how are we going to engage in this effectively and wisely and strategically. And then I get to just encourage families that are that are thinking about it or that are doing it and just try to breathe um, a breath of fresh kind of gospel air into their thinking and into their journey wherever they are. Man, that's cool. That's fun. Yeah, that is a, that is a wonderful set of credentials. And, and I, I feel that 
there's one part that you possibly missed that I need to make sure that you're aware of. Um, you don't know this, but years ago, somehow through the miracle of social media, my wife has become a, a large fan of yours. <laughs> so I just think it's important that I, I disclose that uh, I, I believe I've plagiarized you before because she would have said something to me and I didn't know that it came from you. And I thought I was plagiarizing my wife, but I was plagiarizing <laughs> you. That's great. You know and then also things that she would give me as advice for me that I thought was great, but it turns out it was you. So you are a presence in my house <laughs> before true. today ever took place. You're welcome. I apologize for all of it. You know what? Like, there's nothing to apologize for that yeah. I'm aware of. You may so, have something to apologize for, but she didn't credit I can, you when it was I can already. tell you this. I got I got Greg a lot of street cred when I got to say, hey, we're going to interview Jason Johnson, and he got to go home and tell his wife, hey, guess there who I'm go. getting to talk to on the podcast. So That's so funny. Well, I got to tell you guys, I know this is focused towards stats. Um, you know, I get to travel around the country a lot and meet a lot of people, and let me tell you, I have husbands – who will awkwardly come up to me and try to like encourage me. And the way that they do it is exactly what you just did. <laughs> hey, my, my wife kind of really likes your blog and my wife, this, my wife, this, and I'm just waiting for a guy to come up and say, Hey man, I love your blog. <laughs> and I introduced my wife to it. Yeah. Um, you know, there's no shame in that. I mean, yeah. come on, just, you know, just man up and it's okay to admit that you, Look, I feel queasy sometimes just saying I have a blog because it's just like so like it's a little a girly. We'll say it. We'll it's say it for little, you. Like moms have blogs and they're a lot of them are great. Um, so I feel queasy about it. You know, some guys feel queasy about admitting that they like it. And sometimes just one like, look, let's just the big elephant in the room is, you know, we read a blog and let's just get over that and be buddies and Anyway, all that's very cool. I'm yeah. I'm glad that there's some yes. So there is the blog, and we get to encourage families, and and um, it's a lot of fun doing that. Yeah, which so. the blog for everybody is jasonjohnsonblog.com, I believe is where it is. So if you want to find uh, it, it just sounds cringy even to hear you <laughs> say it. <laughs> oh, that's okay. We have to thank all of our sponsors. Yeah. So we're. Uh, Incidentally, we're going to need five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> We've been trying to get Subway and uh, Chevy, oh, quite a few other sponsors on this podcast, and so far, no one has no one has taken the bait. No, surprisingly, no yeah. one has jumped on board. No, I, I think we'll, we'll reach a tipping point soon. Don't worry. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, I think that's part of why we wanted to do this. Is you know we know that like you know while um, a lot of moms will get together for Bible studies or read blogs like. The moms yeah. are engaged in the foster yeah. adoption world, but what I have found and what has truly impressed me being on staff, working at a church, working with lots of foster and adoptive families is, is that the dads are really engaged and we often mm -hmm. don't see that, mm -hmm. but man, it takes a very engaged father um, to make this whole foster and adoption thing work. Because if you're going to kind of say yes and just be like, hey, good luck to you, uh, wife, as you try and do that thing, that's not going to work out very well for very long. Right. Um, right. Yeah. And so I think, you know, that's just what both Greg and I want to model. None, neither of us are perfect at it, uh, but we love bringing on other dads and really just celebrating, man, the dads who are in it, we want you to be in it, like be in it all the way. Um, and sometimes that does take some, some reading, some learning, some educating. And if we can do nothing more than give you a... 45 minute podcast with some good dad jokes at the end. We'll do that. So <laughs> yeah, no uh, doubt. It's, I gotta say, it's been really, it's very cool to again, travel around and meet, meet some dads and some husbands who are 
really leading leading the way in this and sacrificing and, and they their stories may have been you know hey i was a little hesitant at first but man um we're all in now and it's just really really cool to see that in men who you know the the cultural narrative for us is pretty clear um you need to climb the ladder and be successful and accumulate stuff and kind of reach this level of power and notoriety and and i get to meet guys all around the country who say you know what um maybe maybe not but you know i i, I care far less about that and far more about engaging in this space um, and sacrificing and doing whatever we need to do to step into some hard places and i love to see men and fathers and dads kind of flip the script on some of that cultural narrative mm. um, and it's cool to see that is cool i like that i yeah. like that a lot well i also say that the other the ahead. other narrative that i feel like we we spend time trying to to redefine is either you're you're climbing the corporate ladder and it's achieve 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 or you are expected to be the the lovable doofus that is also being taken care of it's the, the sitcom dad or like yeah, yeah yeah the the, the drama dad that's that's the well, two examples yeah where you get you're a buffoon you don't know how to do anything and, and you're kind of dead weight yeah yeah exactly and so yeah there's something, there's kind of a third way that I see a lot of men engaging in that says, no, I'm not a buffoon, but I'm also not going to get wrapped up in what the world tells me I should aspire to. Um, I'm going to live, we're going to live differently. And it, it is, it's, it's inspiring to see. Yeah. Well, that's cool, yeah. man. I, I think we've already gotten some great points out of this conversation that I think are really powerful for the guys that are listening. Um, in particular, you know, this, this particular episode, I, I really wanted to just have a conversation uh, around really the idea of of where is God in the midst of the kind of the pain and the heartache of fostering and adopting. I think as you enter this world, even as you start getting into training, you start taking kids into your home, like it's really hard. It's really hard for the foster and adoptive parents. Uh, it's really hard for the, the kids. The kids have been exposed to a lot, undergone a lot, and I think sometimes as Christians, we often don't have a good thought process and a good theology around where is God in the midst of pain? Uh, we often mm-hmm. in our society are just trying to avoid pain, avoid hardship, avoid anything challenging or difficult. Um, and so when that comes up and now it becomes a part of our daily routine in our daily lives, when we're, especially when we're fostering and adopting, then those crises, I think, can become crises of faith. Uh, because we haven't really thought much about where's God in this thing and where is God in this challenging moment. And so so we invited Jason just to come and just talk a little bit about those ideas. And so, you know, one of my first questions for you, Jason, is really, you know, thinking, let's start first with the the dads and the parents that are listening. Like when those times get hard, like we've we've had many guys on this podcast already who shared their stories and talked about the hard moments and the hard challenges. Um, what do you think of? What do you go to? What are some scriptures? What are some some beliefs? Some practices that you hold on to when it gets hard? First, as a parent, right? Just yeah. as a parent, this is hard. This is challenging because you know a placement falls through. It goes home. A you're doing an international adoption and a country closes. You get kids home and it's hard and challenging every day. Like there's so many layers where it's going to be mm-hmm. challenging. What are some ways that you find find encouragement um, and find strength in God in those moments? Yeah, that's that's good. Let me 
preface all this by saying this, um, whatever I'm about to say is not just kind of theoretical. Um, it's very real for us as a family. Um, even this morning, we had a very hard morning with our little one mm. who has some very unique struggles and um, very, very difficult. So this, these are very real tensions that we live in, even literally today right here this morning mm. uh wondering how our little girl is doing at school after a really really rough morning so you know i, I love the way that you framed the question because you used uh, words like think a lot and thought and how do we think through this and I, I like to start there because um there's something about the way that we think and scripture actually speaks a lot to the way that we think um uh you know god himself and and in Proverbs says, in Psalms says, my ways are not your ways. Uh, um, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Like he essentially says, look, look, you don't think the way that I think. Um, mm. And um, and that kind of can, we can deduce out of that that, hey, sometimes there's ways that I think and there's things that I think that God completely disagrees with. Um, like I'm wrong on it. I'm, my thinking is wrong. And then Paul in the New Testament says, but one of the greatest um, points of kind of transformation and sanctification that's necessary on our journey is in the transformation of our minds, um, the renewing of our minds so that and, and then he he kind of elaborates on that. He says, your mind needs to be transformed and renewed so that you can test and approve what the will of God is essentially so that you can know who God is and what God does and, and why God does what God does. You, your thinking needs to be transformed. In other words, the way that we think often is fatally flawed and broken. Um, and it's in need of being transformed so that we can really understand who God is and what and how, how God interacts with us and the world around us. So I like to start there and recognize um, left to my own devices in my own natural human thinking. It is very likely the case that I will be thinking wrong about a certain situation or a certain circumstance, um, and I won't really be seeing and, and and kind of thinking through the whole picture the way that maybe God is thinking through that that situation or that scenario. So I think it's important for us as men sometimes to even um, kind of pause in the midst of pain or difficulty or struggle. Um, and ask ourselves the question, am I thinking correctly about this? Um, like, here's how I want to think about it. Um, and let me give you an example. Um, here's just kind of a big, grandiose example. Like, um, there's going to be times uh, when you feel like this is not working, I'm failing, I'm, I'm the world's worst foster parent. Like if there was a foster parent competition, I would come in last and they would take my license <laughs> away. Or like, I'm... I'm the world's worst adoptive dad, or, you know, I'm failing at this. It's not working. There's no hope. Right. And our mind wants to go there. And, um, those are opportunities I think for us to recognize I w my thinking might be fatally flawed on this and God might disagree with the way that I'm thinking on this. And, and so we go to places like Hebrews 11, where it really redefines what success and failure is. And, um, it lays out in the first part of Hebrews 11, people who by faith saw great quote victories. Okay. The walls of Jericho fell, the Red Sea split. Mm -hmm. And then towards the end of Hebrews 11, uh, it says some by faith were um, stoned to death. 
and we're sawed in half and we're left destitute, living in caves and holes in the ground. Uh, and then at the end of Hebrews 11, it says all of them were commended for their faith. In other words, all of them were faithful. All of them, God would say, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, some of them by faith saw um, certain outcomes that we might say, man, victory. The walls of Jericho fell like it's working. Right. Faith is working, whatever that means. Right. Like I I'm using faith as a tool. And if I can maneuver it well enough, then it will work to my benefit. OK. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, I, and then at the end of Hebrews 11, by faith, some were sawed in half and some were some were killed and stoned to death. And our mind wants to say, hmm, then faith didn't seem to work there. Right. Um, uh, that that doesn't that seems tragic. But God says, oh, no, 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 no. All of them were faithful. Um, well done, good and faithful servants to all of them. And so I read that and I, I see, and I think this is important for us guys, again, kind of going back to what we talked about, the cultural narrative and the expectation on on us guys is your, in, in large part, your value and your worth is rooted in what you can produce and the outcomes that you can produce, um, your performance, okay? Uh, and God says, 100% not, absolutely not. Your your value and your worth is not rooted in the outcomes you can produce. Instead, it's it's defined by your willingness to be faithful. And sometimes on this journey, faithfulness is going to lead to, you know, quote unquote, the walls of Jericho falling, like breakthrough, right? In kids and families' lives. We're going to see healing. We're going to see connection. We're going to see God open up doors. Sometimes on this journey, it's going to feel like we're being stoned to death. Uh, and at all times, God looks at us and says, well done, good and faithful servant. So I think God's expectation on us is not, um, I, want you, I, I want you to follow me and, um, and produce only positive outcomes. And if you're unable or unwilling to do that, then you're a failure. Instead, I think God's expectation is I want you to be faithful and I want you to trust me that I'm working through the outcomes, good and bad, beautiful and ugly. It doesn't mean that we don't fight hard. It doesn't mean we don't work hard. Um, it just means that at the end of the day, we put our head down on the pillow. And, at, uh, you know, at the end of a hard day, at the end of a day where it feels like we were stoned to death, we put our head down on the pillow and we say, God, um, I am choosing to believe and to think. Um, that your your approval of me is rooted not in what I can produce, but in simply my willingness to be faithful to you because of what Christ has done for me. And I'm going to continue to be faithful tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Yeah, I'll stop preaching. No, it's, man, it's it's stinking good because I, I think the other thing, the other angle I was thinking on that, too, is that often I know myself and, you know, I'm also thinking my thinking is wrong because I'm often thinking about all the solutions, interventions, mm -hmm. ways that, oh, this is going to work out in this way because of X, Y, Z is going to happen. And so I'm looking for all the angles to get yeah, to the yeah. end to help God like bring the walls of Jericho down. 
right? Hey, like I got, I got it all figured out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's this one loose yeah. stone over here. I'm going to go pull that out and that's going to bring the walls <laughs> down. And, and a, that's not what God tells us to do. And B, it wouldn't do anything if I did it anyways. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. And I, th- I think it was Mike Tyson. I don't know. I, I always credit him. Who knows? <laughs> but he or somebody said, um, you know, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the face, you know? Mm. And, um, I find myself, okay, God, you know, and I, I have joke, like I love connected child and Karen Purvis and TBRI, like that stuff is gold, but like everybody's TBRI trained until you get punched in the face by a kid. And then you're like, (laughs) what do I do now? Karen Purvis, you know, like it all goes out the window. Um, and I'll just to be frank guys, like, I mean, even this morning, like our, our youngest daughter, we never know who's going to wake up that morning before Mm. school. Okay. And we never know how it's going to go. And that hour before school can either be really smooth and clean, or it can just, it can be a disaster. And, you know, we're always looking for, okay, what elements of the morning or of the night before can we change to maybe make the morning a little easier? And we feel like, okay, we've read this book and we've got this advice and da 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 da. Okay, we've set it up. Like we've set up the perfect environment where it's going to help the morning be good. And, and then you get punched in the face and, uh, everything goes out the window. And I think that's where we step back and we say, man, my God, my mind w- wants to believe that I'm failing at this and I, I have to choose to to think the way that you think about this. Otherwise, I don't know if I can handle this and I don't know what this is going to look like long term unless I choose to believe um, and, and begin to think about it the way that you think about it. Yeah. Along those, like with, with that in mind, this is the question that I wrote down around this because you talked about re- reminding ourselves and, and fixing our mind on on the faithfulness of yeah. of God, the way that God's thinking. But when in the exact scenario that you just talked about, I've got at least at least three of those exact types of stories from my morning as well. Mm-hmm. And when I think about faithfulness, if I'm maintaining faithfulness, does that translate? And I'm like, oh, actually, I'm going to ask this question and pause it for say whatever you want. Because I don't know, you and Blaine both have like letters after your name and know things about the Bible. I my talents lie outside of <laughs> Scripture. So, um, when it comes to the faithfulness aspect, does it always translate into peace? Because there are so many times and so many experiences in this journey where I do not feel that I have a peace that passes an understanding. Yeah, and I'm. I feel like when, when I hear the message, okay, we need to maintain faithfulness, but I'm supposed to have this peace that passes understanding. And is that what's happening in that situation? So that's a great point. You know, that's another point where it's kind of this counterintuitive truth, right? Um, so, you know, one of them we've talked about, the opposite of uh, failure is not success in the kingdom of God. It's faithfulness, right? Like, well, that doesn't make sense in the world, right? Because it's not the way the world thinks. And another one that you've just pointed out is a peace that surpasses all understanding. Oh, no, 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 no. I only have peace when I can really understand and I've really got a grasp on it. And in the kingdom of God, it's no, no. You can actually have a peace even when you don't understand anything that's going on. Um, uh, and you don't have it all figured out. Now, 
uh, I've grown up in the church. My dad's been a pastor my whole life. And so I feel like I've got a little bit of credibility to say I love the church deeply, but I also like to poke at it a little bit. Uh, and one of the this ways is why Jason I was, and I get along so well. <laughs> <laughs> one of the ways I like to poke at it is this whole idea of of peace. Well, I don't feel a peace about that. I'm not going to do that because I don't feel a peace about that. And sometimes I want to say to people, um, I don't care if you feel a peace about it. God's told you, like, so what? And the we're. I don't think that we're just supposed to sit around and wait till we feel peace before we do anything. I believe we're supposed to trust that I can move forward even when I don't understand, and even when I don't necessarily feel a peace. Um, I can move forward because I can. I can trust that that God is is working. So I don't know that it always produces peace in the moment. However, I will say this. Um, I did a pretty good job this morning of staying calm. Uh, I'm just going to give myself some credit for that, right? Um, that's not always the case. But here's when I'm really thinking correctly, and I'm I'm thinking through not so much how your behavior is affecting my morning, but instead how how your struggles are affecting your morning. Does that make sense? Like sometimes I want to look at at my my little girl and say, uh, you know, it really drives me crazy when your behavior affects my day and my rhythm. But when I'm thinking correctly, I'm thinking more in terms of her. Like I'm I, I my perspective this morning was, gosh, I'm just I'm devastated over the fact that she has some struggles inside of her and her brain that cause her to behave this way and that hurts that's really hard um and that kind of thinking helps me to remain calm in the in the moment um because it's less about you're interrupting my morning and it's more about this girl comes from a hard place and she has some hard things going on inside of her little body that she can't control um and i want to remain calm for her uh, and to love her and be engaged with her. And I think Karen Purvis would have approved of how I handled, how I handled this morning. Um, uh, so I did something that, that you can get is the Karen Purvis stamp of approval. Like, is that, is that awarded anywhere? <laughs> I think so. Listen, she's, she's, she's hanging out with, you know, in glory right now with Jesus, you know, unfortunately for us, but fortunately for her, I think one day we're, you know, my goal is that I get up there and, you know, the first person I see is Jesus, and he says, hey, welcome, well done. And then he says, hey, I want to introduce you to Karen Purvis. She's been waiting for you. Um, <laughs> she has some things to say to you. Uh, oh, so I don't know. That I don't joke know only pre- works in the foster and adoption world. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that joke doesn't work on any other podcast. But And if you don't, if guys, if you don't know, whoever's listening, if you don't know Karen Purvis, she's just like the grandmother, you know, she of caring for kids from hard places and and she's she's uh a lot of letters behind her name very educated but just so 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 helpful to a lot of families in this space in those regards so uh, that's my long way of saying i don't know if it always produces peace in the moment but i do think it helps us to um, bring a sense of calm in the midst of disruption and chaos and struggle when we when our minds are aligned with maybe the way that God thinks and the expectations that God has on us, uh, 
in in the moment. And let me uh, let me share another you know another answer to your question. Another counterintuitive truth. You know, Scripture on a few occasions tells us to fix your eyes on things you cannot see. You know, Hebrews chapter eleven uh, actually starts out by saying, "Faith is the assurance of things we cannot see." And I find that to be fascinating because, again, it's counterintuitive. Scripture is saying, look, there's things you can see and there's things you can't see. And um, here's what God wants you to do. Fixate, focus your attention primarily on those things you cannot see. And again, the way the world thinks, we go, well, that that's ridiculous. I'll believe it when I see it. And God says, nope, I want you to believe it, especially when you can't see it. Um, so, um, whenever I'm speaking at events, I often show a little video clip and dads will appreciate this every around father's day, these videos start popping up online of like dads being superhero dads and like rescuing their kids from danger and like reaching their hand out and grabbing them before they go out in the street and the truck flies by. Or there's one of my, one of my favorites is this kid is in a little, uh, toy car and he's barreling down a hill. And in the in the shot of the camera, you can see at the bottom of the hill is another little kid with his back uh, turned. And this car with this little kid is in is barreling straight towards the back of this kid. He's about to destroy this kid. And then out of the side of the camera shot, a dad comes flying down the hill, scoops the little kid up out of the way before the car can just destroy him. And I, I, I watch that and I think, you know, way to go, dad. But also that little kid at the bottom of the hill had no idea what was about to happen to him. But the dad saw, the dad saw the whole picture and the dad swooped in and the dad stepped in and the dad rescued this little kid who was completely oblivious to the danger that was imminent around him. Right. Um, and I, I look at that and I think, gosh, I wonder how many times God has done something like that for us in our own lives like we're completely oblivious to the danger that's around us or to the situation that's unfolding around us but god sees it he sees the whole thing and he swoops in he reaches his hand out he gently protects us and we go on our merry way having no idea that anything was ever even happening right like and if you have kids we have kids like you've saved your kids life before they don't even know it or appreciate it and sometimes we kind of resent them for it we're like if you only knew how many times i've saved your life kid right <laughs> it's just what a good dad does and so I, I like to think of it in terms of i believe i believe for every one thing that we see god doing there's a million things that he's doing behind the scenes that we simply cannot see um and he's he's reaching his hand in he's maneuvering things he's orchestrating things in such a way that are ultimately for our good. We may not see it in full, but scripture then steps in and says, hey, God's doing a million things that you can't see. Fix your eyes there. Trust that. Trust it. Um, and I think, so, I think too, like that goes back yeah. to that sense that you described of like, our thoughts are not God's thoughts, yes. right? That like, yeah. I can't, I can't think all the angles. I can't think it all the way through. God sees the much longer story and knows where it's going, right. which I think goes to what Greg was describing too. Like, I think that's another way to think about peace is yes. that peace doesn't mean that it will be calm in the moment. It doesn't mean it'll be calm that day. It doesn't mean it'll be calm that year. Right. But, but peace, yeah. you can have peace that, that hopefully that peace is coming, right. That calm, like that, that, yeah. that something is being working, that the repetition of my calm response to a kid that's 
losing it is going to put them eventually in a place where they can then regulate themselves and get to a place where a calmer life is coming, you know, no doubt. Um, no doubt. And, and, that, and that's at least the hope you have, is, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the root of our hope and our peace. You know, again, Hebrews says, um, faith is, is this assurance or this hope in things we cannot see. Like it almost defines faith as, Hey, the bedrock of your faith is rooted in things that you cannot see. Um, and your willingness to trust that, that God is doing things you cannot see. And I can trust that. And that can bring a sense of peace and calm to me. Um, even when I don't understand it, there's that peace that surpasses all understanding. Um, I can still trust that God is doing good things. And I mean, we've seen this play out. I'll never forget when we, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you guys when, you know, the 17 year old moved into our home and she had a brand new little baby. And, um, you know, again, uh, I, I like to see results and, you know, I'm type a Enneagram one, which is like just super awful person to work with. And, uh, I want to see results and there's a right and the wrong way to do things. And, and that's just not how life works, especially when you bring a 17 year old in who's had a, a really rough life. And that cycle is, is kind of repeating itself in her life now as she has little kids and, um, I'll tell you, there have been many, many times over the last four years with her that, um, you know, we've seen a little bit of a glimmer of hope. Like, hey, I think maybe the walls of Jericho are about to fall. And then like the next day, oh, no, we're getting stoned to death. Right. Like it's it's just this. And but I'll tell you what, um, those those glimmers of hope. Right. When we see the light starting to turn on and kind of healing begin to happen. I think those are evidences. I think that's God saying, hey, I want you to see a little, I want you to see a little something here. And I want it to remind you that um, that one little thing I'm showing you here points to a million things that I'm doing behind the scenes in her life and in y'all's lives that you can't see. And I want you to trust that I'm working even when it feels like it's all falling apart. Or even, I want you to trust that I'm working even when to you in your mind, it feels like it's not working. Um, and I think that's where our hope, you know, again, scripture says, fix your eyes there, place your hope there. And I don't know if this is actually the application you were going for in, in everything that you said, but just in my own personal notes that I wrote down is that faithfulness is actually an expectation of that peace that passes understanding, not that you actually have it. But that's, yeah. I don't know if that's what you meant to, to apply. Yeah. That's what I'm taking from it. And if you're listening to this, you can feel free to take what you want from it as well. Yeah. But yeah. I'm taking that faith, a life of faithfulness is actually an expectation and a hope of that peace, whether mm-hmm. you're in the midst of it or not, but knowing that it'll come at some point. Well, I think it's, I like, and I think it's feeling yeah. it. You may not feel it, right? And that's yeah. that's the piece of it, too. Like, it's an expectation of peace because you're trying to put God's thoughts in your own thoughts and not right, because right. you feel it. And I think that's that's often where we get tricked up is as much as dads, we like to think of ourselves as like non, you know, emotional feeling, you know, gender uh, by and large. I think we all get to that place, right, where we, we still gut respond to things and we yell and we feel and we like we have all those responses to things. And it is that sense of like just because I don't feel calm just because I don't feel peace doesn't mean that God's not 
like working towards peace, that expectation I think that you described, Greg, is totally right. Like that's that's the thought. Faithfulness is the expectation that I'm sticking with it. I'm coming through with the expectation that uh, it gets better. Like it it is going to get better. Like there is a there's a good that's coming out of this, even if I don't see yeah. it today. Um, yeah. yeah, it's I, that hope that it's that hope that drives us. I, I heard someone say it this way the other day. I liked it. Um, they said, he said, look, I, I just know too much about God to not trust him. Like, you know, I don't understand all that's going on all the time, but I've gotten to the point in my life where I just know too much about him to, to not say, you know what, I'm going to trust him. And, and I like that because the older I get, the more I feel that, you know, when I was younger and thought I could like control everything, you know, I, I would often use faith as like a, um, I would use faith in God against God, kind of like, all right, God, I'm going to use faith as a tool and I'm going to get it all right and I'm going to do it all well. And it's going to force you to respond favorably to me. Um, and, and, and now I like how you've said it, you know, actually maybe that's kind of like that faithfulness is more of like a result, like a back end result and not so much a front end bargaining chip. Right. Like, um, it's more like a, a result of, 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 I just know too much about him and I've seen him too evident in my life up to this point to not kind of have the results of this be, I'm going to trust him and I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to have faith. Um, I don't understand it all. I can't see it all. Uh, but that's okay. And I think that's another point of encouragement guys is, is, you know, for dads listening, you know, when it feels hard, I think there's something kind of wired in us at times to, I don't know where it comes from, but we kind of want to think, you know, if it's hard, then it must be wrong. Like we're doing it wrong. And I actually think, you know, when I read scripture, I see, it, it might actually be the fact, the case that if it's hard, it might mean you're doing it exactly right. Like we're moving into some really hard places and dealing with some really hard things. And if it feels hard, it probably means on some level you're doing it right. Um, I, and 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 from there again we just say god i can't see it all i don't understand it all um and again we kind of look down on ourselves like we indict ourselves because of that why i just i can't understand it i don't have peace i can't see it all and again i think scripture says actually that's a really good place to be um can you imagine like just think of this can you imagine if every day we woke up and we saw everything that god saw going on in the world. I don't think we could handle that, frankly. Like, yeah. I don't... Um, I think, I think what I just, already know and see about the world yeah, makes me depressed kidding. enough. Like, I don't want to see... We can barely handle that. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Like, so I think it's his mercy that he says, um, you don't need to know everything. You can't know everything. You don't need to see everything. You can't see everything. Let me handle that pressure. Um, and I'm just going to let you know what you need to know when you need to know it. And you can trust me. I'm going to let you see what you need to see when you need to see it. You can trust me. But I also trust that um, uh, you can't handle the pressure of seeing and knowing everything that you think you want to see and know. Let me handle that pressure. Mm. And I think that's just what a good dad does. We all have kids like our kids don't understand, you know, 
paying insurance and mortgages and putting gas on the car. Like they don't, they don't understand how our home and our family functions and operates. Right. Um, so a certain degree, because as dads, we say, look, you don't need to, like, let me handle that right now. Right. Um, you're going to have to handle some of that more and more of that a little bit one day, but th- let me handle that right now. Um, and I got it. Right. And, um, I, I, I like to think that maybe God just, you know, on a, on a bigger, grander level does the same thing with us. Hmm. I think that's good. I think that's good. Let me, let me shift just a little bit and kind of ask yeah. a, the question around this issue of kind of where is God in the pain, the heartache of, of fostering and adopting a little bit different way. Cause I think one of the, one of the kind of dangerous things, I, I think everything, I don't want to take away everything that we've said that like, you've got to have faith. You've got to have hope that God is, is working things out and doing those things. But I do think that there is a, a, a stream, a tradition, a, a kind of, un, you know, a, a way that we kind of commonly throw things around in churches and in Christianity to kind of misuse the phrase, right? Like God works all to things together for good. And mm-hmm. one of the ways I see this applied a lot with foster and adoptive families is the well-meaning, sweet little old church lady or children's worker who kind right. of walks up to your kid when you're checking him in. Aren't you so glad that brought God brought you to this family? Yeah. Aren't you so glad that you are here? And that kid is sad and mad and frustrated that they were taken away from their parent. They are um, torn with the pain of the abuse and neglect that may have happened before they got where they were. They are missing the language, the culture, and the food of their home country. Um, And so there's this, like, we're so quick to kind of this, like, look over the pain of it. Um, to skip ahead to like, well, now look, I can see what God was doing, and isn't that great? And I think, I think that's just a hard thing for for our kids. Like, I think we talked a lot about what it feels like for us as the parents on the side of the mm-hmm. challenges, but I think a lot of times the the pain and the and the challenge, uh, like what you described before, like I have to recognize that these are some things that my little daughter is going through right now and I want to see see God working in that but but I think this you know I just I just wonder I don't know if there's a pure question in there uh, but I just wonder like what do you think about that kind of sense of kind of jumping over the jumping over the hard I think is what I see it as mm-hmm. like we like to just skip over the hard stuff and say look at what God did uh, without recognizing there's a lot of hurt and a lot of pain and I think sometimes our kids can start to see that um, what does that mean God was part of the pain too? Um, mm-hmm. in order to bring yeah. this about, if you want to say that, right? And I, th- I think sometimes that just messes with our ideas of sovereignty a little bit. Um, so, yeah. So that is, like, one of the most hardest questions in Christianity and Christian theology, but I'll just pose it to you, Jason, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I um... So as you're talking, uh, you know, the world we live in now and our current season... Um, these stories are becoming more and more familiar, but I just got word yesterday that uh, a pastor I know in Oklahoma, six weeks in the hospital, the last few, really, really awful. And he just passed away yesterday from COVID. And, um, you know, my age, um, kids my age. And um, <clears throat> I think the last thing that his wife and kids need to hear this morning is 
God works all things together for good Mm -hmm. for those who love him. Mm -hmm. Um, Because what they've just experienced is really, 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 really bad. Um, And there's no denying that. And there's no trying to sugarcoat that. Like, this is bad. Death is bad. Brokenness is bad. It's not how it's supposed to be. Translate that into the, into the world of foster care and adoption and orphan care. And, and the only reason that we're having this conversation is because the world is not how it's supposed to be. The only reason that things like foster care and adoption ministry exist is because the world is not how it's supposed to be. Um, that we live in a broken world. And for us to pretend like it's not that, uh, I think um, minimizes the beauty of what redemption is really all about. Uh, but we've got to sit there for a while and we've got to sit in that grief and we have to, we have to um, really hold these two. Uh, let's go back to that conversation again about, we don't think the way that God thinks like um, we tend to think that's good. That's bad. And these are two mutually exclusive things. And I think in the world that we live in and, and, and engaging in some really hard and broken places is it changes the way we think that good and bad are not mutually exclusive. They're actually all part of the same redemptive process. Um, and they're both equally true throughout this journey, that there's very hard brokenness and there's a very beautiful um, things that can come from that. Um, so that being said, um, I think in order for us to really believe that's true for the kids that we serve in whatever capacity we serve them we first have to believe that's true for us um i think we have a lot of christians that actually don't believe that god fully loves them and fully has forgiven them and that they're fully redeemed and uh mm-hmm. that their past are forgiven and yet they're trying to translate something that they don't actually fully believe for themselves into the lives of kids from hard places uh, and um that's a really difficult thing to do so um I think a lot of us need to uh, have the relation, our relationships with our own past redeemed. Like we actually, you know, um, I don't, I don't see God saying, okay, I've saved you now. Let's forget like your past brokenness never existed. Let's just, uh, you know, forget it. It's no longer a memory. I don't, I don't see him doing that. Sometimes I wish he would like, I don't even remember that part of my life right like he's just erased it from my memory that that microchip has been pulled from my brain it's gone never existed i don't see him saying i want to remove all memory of your past i actually see him saying i want to redeem the relationship that you have with your past uh and so romans says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in christ because uh, the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin. There's now no condemnation. So now we can look back on our past, our brokenness, and the bro- while we're set free from the brokenness, um, from, the, from the penalty of brokenness, we're not set free from the presence of it, right? Like we still carry brokenness with us, but we have a new relationship with it. it I don't look back on my brokenness or in the midst of my brokenness and sin now and and you know, in Christ, it's no longer a source of condemnation or, or embarrassment or shame, uh, it, you know, because I've been set free from that. It, we have a new relationship with brokenness. And until we believe that for ourselves, I don't know that we can ever really believe it fully for kids and families that we're serving. Um, let me give you an example. Uh, when our, our 17-year-old moved in, 
um, really, really, really rough life, really rough life. And I've heard it said this way, when, when all that you're able to do is survive each day, it leaves no room to dream about tomorrow. Right. So here's a girl who every day of her life, she's just survived. What do what I have to do to get through today to survive today with no regard for how it will affect tomorrow. Right. So there's kind of no future thinking, no future hope. And I'll never forget after being with us for about six months, she said, hey, I want to talk to you all about something. Um, I've we said, great. What's up? She said, I think I know what I want to be when I grow up. Like, man, this is awesome. Right. Cool. What are you thinking? And she said, I think I want to be a social worker. I want to be a caseworker in foster care. And we said, great. Well, you know, why? And she said, because all I've ever had my whole life was really bad ones. And they made my life worse. And I want to be a good one for kids. Um, you know, and, and a number of things hit us in that moment. Number one, this is probably the first time that she's really had the space to actually dream about the future. Because she doesn't just have to survive today. But what really... was rooted in her past brokenness, right? Um, it, it wasn't, you know, I'm going to use my brokenness as an excuse and a ball and chain that's going to drag me down for the rest of my life. But what if I can actually use my bad past experiences, change the way that I relate to them and use them for good moving forward? Um, uh, and we saw, again, it was a glimpse of hope uh, in, in her life. And so I think God's in the midst of that pain. I think that um, our promise in Scripture is not that um, every bad thing will produce some good thing in this life. I think our hope in Scripture, and I know we don't really like this because we want to see like it all resolved now immediately. And like I want a bad thing to happen Monday and for the good to result on Tuesday, right? Like microwave this thing god let's cook it fast show me the good um but i think our hope in scripture is bigger than that it's look this world is fatally flawed and we are participating in the renewal of all things with god and for the sake of our conversation we're doing that we're participating in the renewal of all things by engaging in the lives of vulnerable children and families and our hope today is not that everything will be resolved today. Our hope today is that in the end, um, everything will be made new and all that's broken will be fixed. And there will be no more tears. There will be no more crying. There will be no more death. There will be no more sorrow. And we are participating in the renewal of all things now with the hope that in the end, um, everything that's bad will be made good everything that's broken will be made right he's going to give us glimpses of that here in this world along our journey and i think what those glimpses are meant to do is to remind us that um that ultimate um uh healing is coming and that your work now is worth it it's not in vain I'll stop after this and let you guys talk. I'm getting preachy. I don't play golf very often for, you know, I can't imagine like going out for five hours on a Saturday and saying, bye wife, have fun with the kids. But also, 
you know, I only play if somebody else is paying for it because, you know, it's expensive, all these things. But on the rare occasion I go play golf, I find I'm not very good. None of us really are. But you hit one good shot, right? Like I hit a good drive or a good putt. And I hit 100 bad ones, but I hit one good one. And it's that one good one that kind of makes me step back and go, huh, maybe there's a golfer inside of me after all, right? Like I hit that shot. Like that was, that felt good. It was perfect. And it's that one shot that keeps me coming back for more. Even in the midst of a hundred shots that were awful. Like, you know, I'm off in the woods and I'm swimming in the, in the pond, but it was that one shot. And I think here's our journey in the renewal of all things. Um, our hope is in the end that everything that's wrong will be made right. And along the way, God's going to, God's going to give us some good shots, right? And I think those good, in the midst of a hundred hard ones, and I think those good ones act as um, reminders and signposts. Like, hey, I'm going to give you a signpost that points to the fact that everything that's wrong will be made right. Keep going, keep swinging, keep fighting, keep playing, because your work is not in vain. Uh, everything that's wrong will be made right. Um it doesn't make everything easier right now, but it it does um, give us a framework of hope that even when things are not easy right now, uh, we are working towards the renewal of all things. I think it's true for us. I think it's true for these kids that we're that we're serving, um, and I think that's us believing that. One of your questions, you know, when, when you emailed me about this was how can we as dads help our kids kind of understand this? I think one of the best ways that we as dads can help our kids understand this is to believe it for ourselves first and to model it um, and to embrace our kids in their pain and in their struggle and not in a trite way, not in a Christianese kind of way, but in a real, raw, beautiful way say your pain is real your struggle is real uh, and we are going to work together me and you towards renewal because we have a hope it's it's not going to make it's not going to mean that we're all of a sudden get going to hit a hundred perfect golf shots right it's not going to fix everything right now uh but but it is going to remind us that our work together is worth it and that there's hope and i, I just hope and pray that you know um there comes a day when the kid comes to you and says hey can we talk hey i've been i've been dreaming about what i want to be when i grow up and what i want to be you know I, I believe that god can take my past hurt and my past pain and actually use it for the good of others and use it in redemptive ways moving forward and that's when that's like your walls of jericho falling moments where you go oh yes 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 this is it this is it so um, I don't know if that makes sense. But, um, you know, it, it's pretty hard and heavy, but I think a lot of dads are in some hard and heavy places. And um, it, it's a hard place to be, but it's a beautiful place to be because I think that's exactly where God is. And God's going, hey, we're here together. Let's do this. Um, and here's, I want you to think these ways and I want you to believe these things are true. And that's how we're going to make it along this journey. Jason, I need you to call me every morning and leave a voicemail. <laughs> 
just so I can start my day. You know, there is <laughs> well, one of our one of our staff not members this actually morning, got man. this morning was rough for us. <laughs> one of our staff members actually got a Joel Osteen cube the other day that like gives you a little like like quote of the day every day that comes through the cube. I think we need a Jason Johnson cube. Like they just like yeah, sit by your bedside and like just press it and like. <laughs> No, I'm so, signing up for that if it also includes the days when it's not anything that's good. It's just guttural noises and yelling. That's, 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 what, that's what I'm looking for. Just freaking get your shoes on. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you keep both shoes together? I never understood that. Yeah. That would have been your word of encouragement this morning. Yeah. Yeah. Just get your shoes just and get in the car. Get in the car. Which is good advice for the dads, too. <laughs> like, it's true. You get in the car, too. Uh, yeah, man, I, yeah, I just, I think there's just a lot to mull over there. Uh, Greg and I say this on the podcast most times, we should probably go back and listen to this. This would be good for us. Um, and I think me, Jason, you just, there's a lot of good stuff and I think none of it's easy. None of it's quick. Like none of it's like simple. Um, that's where we are. Uh, welcome to the club. It it is not an easy, easy, simple thing. Just the Christian life, the Christian walk is not easy and simple. You add this layer of bringing, you know, pain, trauma, and hurt into your home every day, and that just adds new layers to the challenges of walking this life of faith. And yeah. so, yeah. I I hope more than anything that we've we've given guys today just some some things to think about. I think go back and listen to this two or three times. Like listen to ten minutes of it, and then listen to ten minutes another day. Like take a little bit and chew it off for a while. And I think that's one of the pieces of this is like it's 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 just like the you can't see it all solved uh, from the Monday problem solved on Tuesday. You also can't I think commit to f- solving it and figuring it out and being perfect at it in two days either. You know you've got to kind of just live it little by little each day. Um, and and I think what you said there too that like the best thing we can do is model this for our kids, uh, not only sitting with them and their hurt, but being, being vulnerable and transparent about our own challenges and our own mm-hmm. hurts at times mm-hmm. and saying, you know what, th- this is really hard and this is really frustrating. Um, and, and, and then showing some amount of the resolution too. Like, I think sometimes that's the other side of the coin is like, we kind of come home and have these hard conversations with our spouse back in the corner and the kids know something's wrong, but don't really know what it's about or why. And we don't want to let them in on those challenging moments, but they also like, don't see that moment resolved, which also becomes hard. Right. But letting them in a little bit to like, you know what, this is just a hard piece of life today. And, you know, dad doesn't always like doing things that he has to do. Uh, at work or in life, just like you don't like going to school and you don't like doing some things you have to do. And here's how I got through it today. Um, or will you, will you pray for me? Cause I'm having a hard day today, you know, and that vulnerability, I think then also allows our kids to be vulnerable too, instead of feeling like they have to keep it all together as well. So, yeah. Um, yeah. wow. Yeah. I mean, cool. Thanks Jason. That was, that was great. That was a, just, I don't know what else to say. Greg, yeah, thank, was, you. thank you very much. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk yeah, to us. Yeah. And it was wonderful advice. And wonderful oh, advice. So good. It was fun, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Just a Fad podcast today. Whether you're just getting started or have been on the foster or adoption journey for years, we hope that you got something encouraging or inspiring from our conversation. 
Please subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening, and we would love to hear from you. You can send us an email at justafadpodcast at gmail.com. Tell us about some topics that you want us to talk about, share a dad win from your family, or just send us a dad joke. You can really tell that we like dad jokes. Special thanks to our intrepid sound engineer, Chris Millett, who made sure that we don't just sound like Ricky Bobby with a podcast here. And until next time, this is Just a Fat.